The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. In the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip tetrarch of the region of Iturea and Triconitus, and Lysanias was tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the desert. John went throughout the whole region of the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the words of the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one crying out in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low. The winding roads shall be made straight, and the rough ways made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. The Gospel of the Lord. celebrate the second Sunday of Advent, the tabernacle candles in the church and adoration chapel burn this week in loving memory of Miranda Brome. A word of caution about parking on Europe Street. On a recent weekday morning, someone was ticketed for parking their car facing the opposite direction of traffic, so may, you may want to make sure that you, quote, go with the flow when parking on the street. And I presume that happens not just on Europe, but anywhere around. So park at your own risk, I guess, huh? Wednesday is the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, a holy day of obligation. Masses will be at 5.30 p.m. on Tuesday. Normally the Tuesday Mass will be uh, Latin Mass, this Tuesday to be English, will be a Vigil Mass for the Immaculate Conception. On Wednesday we'll have Mass at 6 a.m. at noon and at 5.30 p.m. for the Latin Mass. A candlelight at pre-dawn Latin Mass will be celebrated this coming Saturday at 6 a.m. This is a Mass of the Blessed Virgin Mary in Advent, so the, the so-called Rorate Mass, a candlelight Mass uh, that concludes as the, dawn, uh, as the dawn breaks and the light is coming in uh, to the church. Uh, and so, uh, so that'll be a 6 a.m. low Mass uh, confessions beforehand. We will still have the 8 o'clock Saturday morning Mass as regularly scheduled as well. A reminder, the next Sunday, Bishop Duca will be here with us for the 915 Mass. Uh, so I certainly encourage you, invite you to, to join with us for that Mass, so to join in praying with him that day, as well as simply to, to greet him if you happen to see him uh, outside of that. Uh, I would invite you to pick up the bulletin this weekend as well. There are several uh, important updates that are in there about various building projects on our campus, as well as some financial updates uh, that may be, that may be uh, informational and helpful for you. I know. And so, again, Advent. The word Advent means coming. It is a time for us to continually reflect upon the coming of our Lord. Again, as we read the prophets week after week and day after day, contemplating that first coming of our blessed Lord, the one we will celebrate liturgically in a couple of weeks at Christmas we also continue to wait for his second coming. That second coming that will be unlike the first. The first was hidden, veiled. He came as a little child, unknown to the vast majority of the world. Only a few men who were looking at the stars in the sky were able to discern his presence. Not even the king of Israel, the people who were close to him, should have, who should have known, understood and knew his presence. 
But his second coming would be so glorious that all of, all of the world will know and understand in a singular moment. There will be no secret about it whatsoever. And it's this coming that we now continue to wait. During this Advent season, last week I encouraged everyone to embrace the waiting that you experience during this time of year and to offer it up for the sanctification and salvation of your soul. As we continue in this Advent season, today we have the introduction of the person of St. John the Baptist. And with him, this renewal of this call of preparation, of preparing our hearts, or more appropriately for us, having our hearts prepared. In fact, it is not we who do this thing, it's we who simply cooperate with the work. The fact is that when John the Baptist comes to prepare the way of the Messiah for the first time, when he came for that first coming of our blessed Lord, it is he who went out to proclaim a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as we just heard from St. Luke's Gospel. It is John who went out and encouraged people to be symbolically washed clean. John's baptism was not sacramental in the sense that ours is. It simply anticipated the mercy that would come through sacramental baptism given by Christ. It was a sign, a sign of a willingness to be freed from one's sin, to separate oneself from one's sin, to be able to, to wash away the old man, to put on something new. It was a sign of a clean start, of being ready for the first time, if only, for the coming of the Christ. The simple fact is that for us as Christians, all of us have received baptism. We have been immersed in water or washed in water, but in some way the water has cleansed us of our sins already. Whether as infants or as someone a bit older, we have been cleansed, made members of the body of Christ, washed clean. But the fact is that simply because we have been washed clean does not mean that our garment will never get soiled again. We know, in fact, quite the opposite is true. It is normative that we struggle in this valley of tears. It is normative that we wrestle with sins throughout the course of our life. And understanding this, Mother Church from, from our Lord has given us the sacrament of confession. Reconciliation with God. This wonderful grace that is given to us to be able to ensure that whenever we do soil our baptismal garment, that it is there that we can go to the confessional and wash it in the precious blood of the Lamb. And it is made clean once more. We are freed from our sins as at baptism. As many times as we go, our Lord is there waiting joyfully to cleanse us, to wash us clean, really to prepare us. Again, there are always a thousand reasons and more why we ought not to go to confession. And the devil loves to cling upon these. Sometimes it is a fear. Sometimes we hold ourselves too responsible and are not able to receive God's forgiveness. We can't forgive ourselves. Sometimes the shame is present there, and we don't, we don't uh, allow ourselves to, to go and humble ourselves before another human being. It is an attempt of, of many hearts to simply try to go straight to God, so-called, and to be able to, to seek His mercy outside of the means by which He has given us His mercy. There are a whole variety of other things just of our humanity. What if the priest recognizes me? What if he recognizes my voice? What if I'm in one of those places where I have to sit down directly across from him because they don't have the, the screen anymore? What, what about all of these things, these questions can arise in our heart and the devil loves to cling to them to discourage us from the sacrament, to keep us away from the grace of Jesus, 
Keep us away from forgiveness, from mercy, from peace. But it is Christ who desires us to come. It is Christ who desires us to humble ourselves before him, and so to allow him to exalt us. Again, when John the Baptist prepared the way, the preparation that he gave was singular. Repent, come and be baptized for forgiveness of sins. There wasn't another message. And for us, the preparation for the coming of our blessed Lord is exactly the same, to come and to be repentant of our sins. And if we've already received baptism, go to confession. This is the call of the Advent season. To prepare our hearts is simply to go to confession and allow the Lord to free us from our sins, and thus He is the one who prepares us. He makes straight the path within our own heart. We recognize that, again, the word Advent means a coming, a coming to, right? We're anticipating the Lord's coming. And we can sort of play on those same words and reflect upon two other comings, if you will, in the sacred scriptures, but they take place within the same story, and they are the context by which we ought to understand reconciliation with God. It's the story of the prodigal son. The son who receives his father's inheritance because he wishes him dead, and he says, I, 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 said, I wish you were dead so I could have all your money now, and then I could go do my own thing. And the father answers his wish and goes, okay. He gives him his share, sends him off, the boy goes off, lives a life of sin out in the world, contents himself with all these things, but ends up uh, basically in a worse position than he ever could have imagined for himself, finds himself longing to eat the food for the pigs, and decides to go home. And as he is going home, he is walking. He is coming to his father's house. He is walking, but his father sees him and runs. It's the son who is willing to come to the father, but the father shows that he is far more willing to run to his son, to embrace him. And when he sees his son and runs to him, he embraces him with a great hug. He places a ring on his finger, a robe upon his shoulders, slaughters the fattened calf, and throws a feast. And this is the understanding that we ought to have of God's delight when we make use of the sacrament of reconciliation. It is a great joy for Christ to be able to bestow his mercy on us. Because it is the singular reason he came to take on our flesh so as to cast off our sins and to redeem us for the house of the Father, where there we might be able to partake of the heavenly banquet. Every time we go to confession, we continue the mission of Christ and its fulfillment in our very person, receiving the gift of sanctification and the promise of salvation. It is Christ who wants to prepare us this season, to prepare us by showing us his mercy. This too is also the words that we should understand from the prophet Isaiah that we heard referenced in the gospel, of the one of how the mountains are brought low and the valleys are made even, that the roads are made straight and all the things that are filled in, all the, the, the rough waves are made smooth. It's the simple fact, it's that reminder to us every single year that when the king comes to town, you want to make sure he gets there quickly and without a lot of traffic on the way. You don't want him to have to experience all the potholes. You don't want to have him experience the roadblocks that are present there, the things that are going to prevent him from coming to the town. And this town is our soul. 
Well, when our Lord comes in His glory, we want Him to come to us quickly with His grace and not have to linger long in souls in, with, with, with those souls in purgatory. We want Him to come quickly to us. And the means by which this is done is allowing Him to prepare the way itself. Confession. It is a simple thing. It need only take a few minutes. An examination of conscience beforehand certainly is a helpful thing. But all told, it's a rather quick and simple process. So simple, in fact, that sometimes we think it's not quite as valuable as it truly is. But this would be false. The sacrament of reconciliation is one of the greatest things this world has ever seen other than Christ himself and in his flesh. It is the gift of God given to us to continue to wash us clean, to allow us to be filled with God's grace, to experience his mercy, to taste of his peace. It is a place where we are able to encounter Christ once again, as countless people did in the Gospels and during the life of Christ, and to be able to be looked upon with love by Christ, and to know those same words that many others heard, your sins are forgiven. May God grant us the grace to hear those words during this holy season, that the Lord may prepare our hearts, and we will rejoice one day to see his coming. To this end, I would encourage you, again, go to confession. During this, this season, it's an opportunity. This week, we have an extra opportunity to go to confession. Normally, we have confessions before all the weekday Masses and Saturday Masses, but I know that some of you are not able to get here necessarily for 545 in the morning on weekdays, and some of you also are not, uh, not ideally able to get here on Saturdays. And so this Wednesday, again, as we said in the announcements, is a day of obligation, which I hope each of you will take seriously. And it's for us to be able to come to Holy Mass and to receive of our Lord's grace and to celebrate the great mystery of Our Lady's Immaculate Conception. To that end, I would also like to make uh, an opportunity for confession more available. And so uh, during, uh, for the Tuesday evening Mass, as well as for all three Masses on Wednesday, I'll be there for, for the regular half hour before Mass, uh, as normal, uh, for confessions in the confessional. But also, I'll, I'll return immediately following the Mass to the confessional box, uh, and I will stay there as long as you would like me to. Uh, as long as there is business, I will stay. So if y'all want to keep me in the confessional box all day long, I will happily do it to the joy of my heart and to the joy of the heart of Jesus as well. And so I would encourage you and invite you to prepare your hearts in the coming days, and then to come and to receive of His mercy receive the goodness of the peace of Christ.